The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.blueclovertherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. In five, uh-uh. four, no. what? No, don't do the countdown. Everybody loves the countdown. Nobody likes the countdown. Every time I see someone in the store like, oh my God, are you Ty Shepard from The Morning Struggle? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, do the countdown. <laughs> nobody does that. Actually, nobody talks to me anywhere in any <laughs> facet of my life. It's Not a very even... lonely, invisible life. Oh, this is very sad. Yeah, it was, that was personal. But I'm going to bring it back to exciting and uplifting. Oh, go go right ahead. Welcome everybody to the Morning Struggle Podcast. <laughs> Hi guys. I'm Ty. I'm Jesse. And we bring you Habits of Successful People. Yep. And today we're talking about gut feelings. Gut feelings. I want to start this off with an anecdotal story oh my about us that ties into my history segment. Okay. <laughs> Anybody from the Utah, Idaho, Wyoming region knows yeah. of a place called Wyoming Downs. It's probably second to the Kentucky Derby on like race quality. Is it still? Is it still open? I think it's still going. I think they, no they're going joke. back. Yeah. So it's a little tiny racetrack. So small for horses. Yeah, yep. it's a, a horse racetrack. And but you go and you gamble and you you, you drink your drinks dog. and you can wear a big hat if you want. You'd be the only person wearing a big hat. Yeah. Like the Kentucky Derby kind of thing. But we went one time, just mm-hmm. me and you, before we had kids, and we were just having fun. And we're putting down our bets. Yes. And I said, what horse do you want for your bet? And you said, I like the horse with the socks because socks keep horses' legs warm or whatever. They do. And it was like a 200 to 1 bet. Yeah, it was really. I'm not going to throw 10 bucks (laughs) down on a 200 to 1 horse. And we were really broke at the time. So poor. So what did I do? I went like, well, okay, this one's like 25 to 1. That's more realistic. He'll win. He's been doing pretty good in the preliminary. (laughs) Because you know so much about horse racing. I know so much about horse racing. So the horse race happens. Your horse wins. Mm-hmm. You're super excited. You're like, oh my gosh, how much money did you win? And I said, none, because I didn't put money down on your horse. Yeah, for you your didn't bet. go with my. I didn't go bet. with your gut feeling. You didn't go with my gut feeling. Which actually makes sense now because you said, well, the horses with socks are usually cared for better by their owners. This is just hence, rational I came up hence, with. Hence, they run faster. And like all day, the socked horses ran faster. Well, but it was a specific sock. I know, I know, you because you because the was... socks has the, the when the ones that have the stripe at the top. And if I liked, if I just liked the sock style, it actually went really well. Yeah, you so were. You went, you, you, yeah, we. I was upset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't upset. I was crazy upset. Yeah, but um, you went wanted to go with your gut feeling. That's what we're talking about today. Yes. Yeah. How and why you should or shouldn't right go yes. with your gut feelings. And maybe, so you can win at the horse races. So you can win at the horse races. Here we go. <laughs> this day in history. Do you ever... I do two daydreams. One, someone drives up in a McLaren F1 and says, I don't want this car anymore. You take it. The clutch is too hard for me. Oh, man. Um, the second one is I wake up and I'm like 10 years ago and I go, I know all the sports bets. Like Back <laughs> to the Future too. No. Yep. I do that all the time. I'm like, okay, that was... a. That was an underdog story. I'm going to remember that just in case 
there's a time machine, or I wake up in Groundhog Day, Yes, and I can put a bet down. So we're going to talk about some of the most paid out underdog bets in sporting history. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, you ready? We're going to start with boxing. 1990 heavyweight champion, the man, Mike Iron, Mike Tyson versus James Buster Douglas. They both had pretty good records, so I don't know why this was such a an upset. Right. But Mike Tyson was like, this was like a warm-up fight for Mike Tyson. He was already the heavy, heavyweight champion. Oh. He was going to get contended on his next fight, and Buster Douglas was just one of those guys who you fight in between. Oh, gotcha. Okay. 42 to 1 odd, which means a $10 bet would have paid you $420. Whoa. Let's say a $100 bet. People, we, we're, 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 we're big time in our betting. A $100 oh bet gosh. would have paid you $4,200. That's a pretty good That's a return lot. there. Yep. Um, so in the 10th round, Douglas um, floored Tyson with just a huge uppercut. Uh, Tyson went down. It was famous because Mike Tyson tried to put his mouthpiece in backwards. And oh. they, they counted a 10. He was TKO'd. Ready? 1913 Kentucky Derby. 1913? 1913 Kentucky Derby. This was um, Dunrail. Dunrail was a, the horse. Okay. Dunrail was not doing too good. Um, oh, pony. A few days before the Kentucky Derby, he finished tied for fifth at like a lower, you know, Derby. Yeah. So he had 91.45 to one odds. Whoa. Which was even less than your horse. We should have really gone on your horse. <laughs> uh, so but Dunrail won by a half length, uh, setting a track time record that day. No way. And is the highest Kentucky Derby payout to this day. Oh, wow. So $100 would have netted you $9,014. Whoa. Yep, that's a pretty crazy one. 1969 World Series. Um, so it was only the, the Mets' eighth season as a team. So pretty new team. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And um, through their first uh, half of the season, uh-huh. they'd never hit play, placed higher than ninth. Oh. So um, they held the record for most losses. In the 20th century with 120 Aww. losses in 1962. So let's just say they were not the best team. And that's okay. Um, it was in development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Orioles came into the World Series after finishing the American League Championship 19 games ahead of second place. Like, the best team of 1969. Yeah, they're going to win, down. right? The Mets won in five games. Yes. And that would have paid out 101 odds, which means $100 would have paid you 10,000 smackaroonies. Whoa. Yep. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah, I am. Well, let's go soccer. We just went to a soccer game. We did. It was amazing. So let's talk about the United States soccer. Yes. 1950 World Cup. Uh-huh. Let's just say America is not the best it when not. it comes to men's soccer. Women's soccer, they're amazing. They're, yeah. world, they're world champions. They're uh-huh. great. Men's soccer, I don't know why we didn't get the memo. It's like, hey, <laughs> boys, let's play some soccer. Lock it up. Let's lock it up. But in the previous international matches, the USA had been ousted 45 times to two victories to England's team. Okay, that's a hard. So that's a hard one. There. So England beat us forty-five times, and we got eked out two victories. Uh huh. So there was a five hundred to one odd Ooh. for the USA uh, to win, and the USA won. Oh no, joke! So a, t- a hundred dollar bet. This is nineteen fifty. Hundred dollars was a lot of money back then. But it would have netted you 50. 1950, 100 bucks is a lot of money right now. Oh, I know. I mean, back then it was a lot, a lot of money. But 50,000 bucks? No, joke. Not enough to buy a giant mansion back then. The, the Miracle on Ice? You understand. The, the Miracle on Ice? What are you talking about? Miracle? Yeah, have you seen the movie Miracle? I have not. The USA hockey team? Oh, yes, I have seen where that one. They, ha- they had a non-professional college kids mm-hmm. play professional Russian team. Yeah. And they actually beat them in the semifinals. But just that game 
with the with the USSR uh-huh. um, had a thousand to one odds. Yeah, no kidding. So, it was so underdog a hundred dollar bet would have paid out a hundred thousand dollars. Whoa! And that's enough to buy a mansion in nineteen eighties. Just so you know. <laughs> in the eighties. In the eighties, uh, two thousand Olympics. Yeah. Uh, we we have got Alexander Krelin. I think that's how Kerlin, Kerlin, whatever his name is. Okay. Versus uh, Rulon Gardner. Oh goodness. Rulon's the underdog. Yeah. Because um, Carolyn had not lost in fifteen years in, oh, re- in wrestling, gosh. in the okay. Olympic wrestling or any wrestling, and he had not given away a single point. You get points in wrestling, and then when you get to whatever points, uh-huh. yeah, you win or the time limit comes out. Yeah. He had not given away a single point in ten years. Oh my! Imagine gosh. Imagine being like a basketball team or baseball team yeah. and having shutouts. For like 10 years. That's, That's nuts. This, this guy was crazy. So the odds of this match were 2,000 to 1. Jeez. So if you would have bet a $1,000, you would have won $200,000. Oh my gosh. On the Olympics. Are you allowed to bet on the Olympics? Isn't it like a gentleman's sport? I think that, I think people do. I think that you just have to find the right people. There you go. So that was, that was the highest odds underdog victory that i could find on the one website i looked up so, so <laughs> there you go no, but see see i get so like think about this guy though think about this wrestler guy who hadn't been defeated in 15 years and hadn't given a point up in 10 years and then to get defeated like that will ruin your psyche where was he from i think he was from russia or something like that i think it doesn't really say here. i mean what a victory for the the winner obviously rulon gardner yeah, he yeah. became an American icon after that. Is he American? Don't, okay, on this one, this didn't say very much on here. So don't is, use this one at your cocktail he, party. Is he American? Yeah, just don't use this one at your cocktail party. Yeah, yeah. Unless you bet on it or you you were there. But like, right, right. don't lie and be like, oh, I was there and I put down a $10 bet. And I totally that's why know. that's why I drive my McLaren F1, you know? So. What? Wait, am I, I going to come home to you this car one day? You will come home to a, this car one day. And I'll be like, hey, where's our house? And you'll be like, I traded it for this car. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And you are welcome. This is such Buckle a- up, baby. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track into gut feelings. So those ones, if you would have gone with your gut and you would have bet on the horse with the pretty socks, pretty socks. you win some money. In this yep. one, if you go with your gut feeling... Good things can happen, but you also have to be careful, I'm guessing. Yeah, we're going to talk about we're gonna talk about why it's good and why it's bad. Talk about all of it. Yep. All right, here we go. I'm going to hit you with the definition of gut feeling first. Definition with first. Let's You're hear it. You ready? An immediate or basic feeling or reaction without logical rationale. Okay, so I listen to my gut. And my gut tells me I'm hungry, even though I just ate. <laughs> not so much like an actual like oh, physical. Not, okay. It's like like let's say we're having an interaction with a stranger. Right. Okay. And you feel uneasy about that interaction. That is a gut that feeling. Stranger ends up being a serial killer. Yep, they're a murderer. Serial killer. Yes. Okay. But but that's exactly what it is. So right. it's an unconscious thing that we do, and they think it's based on our survival mechanisms, where we're looking for small cues to determine so we can we can predict that behavior ahead of time so what, what kind of like small cues what are okay. small cues so so small cue, cues first off it's part of pattern recognition that we do and it they're stored in long-term memory so pattern recognition of people of just our environment all the things because the things. we are taking in everything okay okay and then our brain files that and they say hey when it's cold outside 
I put on a jacket and I'm less cold? Kind of, but it's more about it's more about survival. And so let's say we're walking down the street, you and me, we're walking down the street, okay? Right. And we see someone with a clipboard. Okay. Okay. We say, go the other side of the street because that person's going to survey us. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the cue because we have been surveyed in the past. Okay. So we're, our brain searches unconsciously for different cues that are like, what is that person doing with a clipboard? So our gut feeling is based on previous experience. It, yes. Okay. Yes and yes. I'll, and we'll get more into that. But we're first, we're looking for cues. And then we have expectations of what's going to happen. So the guy with a clipboard, he's going to give us a survey. We're going to go across the street. Now, is he going to give us a survey? I don't know. Maybe he's going to give us a McLaren. We don't yeah, even, we don't even know. know. But okay. based on our experiences, we've determined that's what's going to happen. Probably. And then we take action by going to the other side of the street. Okay. Okay. And so that's kind of a basic idea of it. But, but way back when we were surviving and we were meeting strangers... Right, we would pay attention to that behavior and be like, "Ooh, this is going south. This is not going to work for us." Or, "Oh, they kind of seem friendly." Right, and it's it's finding those those micro expressions. It's p- paying attention to body language, and then it's experiences we've had in the past. So the the big thing is the two factors that really play into an accurate or a reliable gut feeling is the quantity of ex, ex um, experiences. So how many you've had? How many you've had, and how much you have been told about. Oh, so does just have to be experience. Your great grandma could be like, you don't eat oranges in August because they're bad. And you go, I don't eat oranges in August. Right. But then you go to eat an orange in and, August. And, and you and get like, that gut feeling. You're like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm going to get poisoned. Okay. Got right. it. So quantity of, of experiences and then a high validity environment. Okay. And a high validity environment is essentially, it's just a, a predictable environment. Okay. Okay. And, and we see this with, um, like kids of alcoholics. Let's give that example where, um, if, if your parental unit is intoxicated or not intoxicated, behavior varies wildly. And so, so they live in a very unpredictable environment. Yes. But so it, their and, gut feeling is probably not as strong as someone else's. Not necessarily because they are, their predictable event is the unpredictability. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa. So, yeah. So they're paying attention to all these different, usually body language, because you can kind of see intoxication in body language. Okay. And then if they see any of those characteristics, they will react a certain way. Okay. And that's why you'll get long-term behaviors in people that you're like, what are you doing? And they're like, I don't know. I just instinctually right. You're not in the environment anymore, but you're, it's so honed and it's so ingrained in you. That's your gut feeling. Yep. And, and that's your survival mechanism, right? Makes sense. So what's really interesting is our body body really reacts to this like that feeling it's not a rock in your stomach right but we, we actually talked about the butterflies in your stomach yeah, feeling right? right um it's a very similar mechanism so uh you have that bump of cortisol let's say person with a clipboard that's a very safe yeah, example we'll do, we'll do person with clipboard person with a clipboard right you have that little bump because you're trying to understand what's going on so that cortisol is like ah right um and then the vagus nerve which runs from your brain to your tummy um acts up right right and what's what's really interesting is there's a second mechanism because your your tummy kind of quivers a little bit the butterflies in your stomach from that vagus nerve reaction but then in your tummy you have an um entric nervous system ens okay okay? and it actually has 100 million neurons in just in your tummy 100 million neurons in your stomach and that is more than your spinal In your gut. Yeah, not yep. my tum, my stomach, but yeah. Your tummy. Your tummy. Yeah, in your tummy. Um, that's more that's in, in, than in your spinal cord and your um, peripheral 
nervous system. Whoa, that's a lot of nerves. Yeah, it's not as much as in your brain, but it's a lot. Okay, just in your stomach. So that's why it's it's considered a second brain. Right. And so your stomach will have an actual reaction to it. So your your guts, like all your stomach area, like your intestines and your stomach and all that? Um, It's your actual... Stomach, stomach. your actual stomach, right? right? And that's why, um, and and we'll get into this later in a different episode, but like if you eat certain foods, you'll feel a certain way and you'll have an emotional reaction a certain way. They think it's because of the second brain. Oh, right. It's so sensitive. So sensitive. So this, you see a person with a clipboard, you've got that cortisol bump, the vagus nerve runs from your brain because your brain's like, ah, and it goes to your tummy. That, that ENS system is enacted and it'll be like, oh, we got to go to the cross the street. Okay, that makes sense. Right? So it's a very it's a very physical reaction that you have as you're having these gut feelings. So it's not just an emotional reaction. Nope. You're actually having an a physical reaction with those releases. Yes, your body is reacting to having to make this decision whether to stay on the side of the road or go to the other side. Crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So is that the science? That is the and and you could see why I'm so excited now about this. Yeah, because essentially your gut feelings are not just, hey, my brain says you know, go across the street. I can fight it. It's like, I've got cortisol run through my veins. So mm-hmm. now I'm in fight, flight, freeze. Yep. And my stomach is firing as much as my brain does when it's really activated. Yep. Like, I, how am I supposed to fight this? Yeah, so, exactly. Because it's an unconscious reaction. So do we do we listen to our gut? Do we not listen to our gut? What oh, do we'll, we do? We'll go into action plan. I'll tell you what so to this do. Is part, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. That's part of action plan. <laughs> okay, I get it. So let's go into coffee segment real quick. Mm-hmm. And we'll go into action plan and you'll tell me how to use my gut to be successful. Those of you who have been with us for the last few seasons, mm-hmm. first of all, we love you and thank you so much for, for being supportive. But you know that we are kind of coffee-centric people. Yeah. Our life revolves around coffee. We're not addicts. We're not crazy. <laughs> We're not addicts, yeah. said the addict. But it revolves around coffee, right? We yeah. love to talk about coffee. We love to drink our coffee. It's a pastime. We go for a walk with the coffee. But we've talked about how overuse of, of caffeine is bad so for bad you for and you. the acidity in coffee and yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm here today here we go. to do two things. One, to tell you that coffee is actually healthy for you. And okay. two, to bring it into gut feelings. Yeah. Tell so me about it. This is a study. And I don't know where this study was from, but it was probably a very prestigious college. Oh, yeah, it is. Baylor University or Baylor College. Nice. And that's in Houston, Texas. Oh, see? Um, Baylor like... College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Oh, see, that's a that's fair enough. Yep. I thought Baylor was in like Waco area. Doesn't matter. This is where it says on the article. <laughs> this, is... this is medical news. And uh, the name is Dr. Jiao. Okay. And they found out that coffee drinkers who drink at least one cup of coffee a day yeah. have better gut biomes, binomes, binomes, biomes, have better gut bacteria <laughs> than everybody else. Is that true? That is, well, according to this study, it's true. Tell me why. All right. So we have good and bad microbia in our guts. Yes. Right? So on this- Oh my goodness. So is my little- Bacteria in my tummy having little cups of coffee as I'm drinking coffee? Your, Please tell me yes. Yep. So analysis revealed that high caffeine consumers had high levels of bacterial um, genera 
and we're going to butcher these ones. Here we go. Facilla bacterium and Rosaburia, but low levels of Arisapelatoclostridium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Close enough. That was solid. And yes, you're welcome for me nailing those. Yes. <laughs> uh, so so the, the, the E... The E one's harmful, like E. coli and E. coli and things like that. Yeah. But the Rosberia is is good, and the Fusilbacterium is good too. So we have more um, of that. They also found that that is not only regular coffee, but also in decaf coffee. So it's oh. not just the caffeine, but the beans and the the um, whatever oils from the coffee the are actually good for that as well so you build good bacteria in your gut right you may eliminate some of your bad bacteria you 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 may build a little bit too much of the good bacteria which turns bad don't worry about that just That's drink your one or two cups of coffee don't a day. get crazy now but they said this this helps in intestinal glucose and fat transporters it, so it reduces diabetes reduces obesity and uh pretty much just makes you healthier all around so it's not so much like if you have a giant dew, Mountain Dew, because that yeah. has a lot of caffeine. Don't do it's the dew. Not, it's not that. <laughs> don't do the dew. Have a cup of coffee. Have a cup of coffee. Because it's something specific with the coffee bean itself. Yep. Oh, that's very there's cool. A, there's a few studies that have, have researched this, and it's still kind of up in the air, but I'm going with this one because it's medical news today. I like it. And yeah. it's from a Texas university. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan of Texas. We're a fan, we're fans of Texas. We are fans of Texas. Yep. So anyway, there you go. That's all I got. That's very cool, though. So just know that when you're drinking your coffee and you say, "Oh, I don't know if this is good for me," it's probably pretty good for your. For as your long as you're not overdoing it, I think it's the over everything in moderation. But from here on out, my little bacteria is gonna have little coffee mugs, and they're gonna be sitting there going, "Ah, yeah." Thanks, like Jessie. imagine like your little bacteria is with their own little tiny espresso or little coffee tiny mugs, cups, yeah. And they're like sitting around, and instead of being like fighting each other, like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna," they're like. What are you guys going to be doing today? Yes. Like, I don't know. Probably digesting some food. You're like, oh, me too. That sounds great. All right, let's go. I'm all excited about the day. Let's go. Yeah. That's See? how bacteria sound in your body. Yeah, just they're... in case anybody's... And they're all the same. They're all the same because <laughs> they reproduce asexually. So anyway. All right, there you go. So let's get back into... They reproduce asexually? Let's, that's let's, how you determine Let's get their... back... Yeah, that's how you... If you, t- if you talk the same, it's science. It's... Let's get back into action plan, a gut feelings. And let's talk about what you do and don't do with your gut to be successful. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. All right. Just like all of my action plans. Yep. Be aware. Be aware. <laughs> no. Well, kind of, but not really. <laughs> so yeah. I want you to stop action, whatever that is. And I want you to pause before you make a decision. Like when you're having a gut feeling situation. Yeah. When, you, when you're when you kind of noticing something. Like um, I'm, I'm listening to the book, um, Bob... Bob Iger, uh, Bride of a Lifetime. Okay. The, and the ex-Disney CEO. He just he, stepped down. He just, yeah, he just retired. So, retired, yeah. Um, it, it was really interesting listening to his his gut feelings about Pixar, Marvel, um, Lucasfilm films, all of those things, and how he really did have to go with his gut. But there's a lot that, I think the thing is, is that people don't listen to their gut. Right. right, and the idea is that your your brain is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah, you you your brain is subconsciously so fast and quick and amazing. Just let it do its job. Right, and and then just guide it down the right path. Exactly. Like you're gonna have to take action if you're if you're buying Pixar, right? You're gonna have to take action. Probably. Yeah. But if your gut is telling you like, yeah, this is a solid situation, then you should really listen to that because your brain has taken 
all of your experiences, every single one of them, everyone you've had at the grocery store, everyone you had with your mom, right. all those things to determine if this feels right. right. Or if you're going to go make a big purchase or yeah, yeah. make a big job change. If your gut says, hey, maybe I shouldn't leave my job right now or maybe I should leave my job right now. Right. Like those gut feelings really do are not just, hey, I'm on a whim. Right. But how do we how do we make sure we don't make bad decisions? Well, so first I want you to do some sort of pause pause uh, activity. Okay. So um, before you make the decision, I, I mean, meditation is always an option, but for a lot of people sitting and it's thinking hard. about something is not going to work. So going on a walk or a hike specifically in nature, okay. because it's different than the setting you would be making that unless you're like a, a, a park ranger. Go okay. indoors to make your decisions. Okay. But you want to change the environment enough. Change your setting and think about your question. Right. Whatever that decision is, prayer is another one of these. Right. Um, being able to pause and take a moment and ruminate on, on what's happening and really paying attention to your body during that time. Okay. Okay. Because um, you're getting those reactions. You're getting those reactions. You need to pay attention to it because your vagus nerve is also on, but the ENS in your tummy is also on. Okay. So we got to, we got to pay attention to what's actually happening because there's plenty of times and we've all done it where we've had a big decision and we've just decided something going against our gut and it just doesn't feel good. Right. And, and your stomach literally hurts. Oh, it literally, your stomach literally like is revolting against your decision because it doesn't feel right. Okay. And and then it re- relays that back to the vagus nerve and you'll sit there and be all distressed about it. So Makes it's sense. important that you're paying attention to it. Um, the big thing with really making your gut feelings accurate and reliable is getting in tune with your body. Okay. And so um, ha- doing some sort of physical activity, um, the research has actually found uh, 20 minutes a day of mindful physical activity. So, um, and, and, and you actually have to be present because like me lifting weights, I'm, I'm much more present than when I'm running. Okay. So if I have a big decision, yeah. And, and really paying attention to how your arm moves, how your leg moves, how your body feels, what you smell. Yoga is a good one. Yoga is a good one. Um, but they found that up to 70% more reliable gut feelings happen with people who spend about 20 minutes a day doing some sort of mindful physical activity. So this might be why all these successful CEO-esque people work out every day. Because then they have better in, better gut feelings. Yes. And then they, they can act on. And then they make just better decisions. Yeah, because they're more in tune with their body. Okay. Isn't that re- like just remarkable? It's remarkable. Um, and then also, because we want to kind of be able to make our pattern um, matching or, yeah, our pattern marking um, more accurate. So like, like looking at someone's cues, like looking yeah, at the body quantity- language, looking at a situation all that kind of external cues. Yeah, our quantity of experiences, our different experiences. Right. So I want you to be very, very mindful of the the interactions that you have. Um, try to put yourself in, in situations that you have to make decisions, right? Okay. I am, I am not a business takeover person, right? So I probably shouldn't make any buying big businesses decisions, okay. right? That's not my experience, but I'm a therapist. Right. And so if someone needs to tell me something, I'll be able to kind of read those cues because this is what I do for a living. I have right. lots of experiences doing that, right? right? So you want to pay attention to who you allow in your life mm-hmm. and what experiences you have with that person. Right. But also that's firsthand experience. But the secondhand experience would be like the things that you allow your brain to take in like news and Facebook and magazines and billboards and all those things because if we're reading a story about how I don't know a a 
tree fell in someone's yard, right? We had the okay. windstorm the other day. Trees are falling everywhere. I might get hyper-focused on this idea that our tree is going to fall in our house. Okay. Right? And and yes, okay, yes, it can happen. But what are the actual odds? But the thing is, is every single time I read a, a story about a tree falling, I am adding that experience to my long-term memory experience. To your repertoire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so just be careful of where... And what news you're getting. Yes. And make sure that it's it's applicable to you and that it's a positive thing. Yeah. And not you. just, hey, I like I like Fox News or I like CNN or I like Facebook, this or that, or uh-huh. I l- just read Shark Attacks, you know, <laughs> whatever attack. it is. Because you got to know long term, like long term, I want to be here. Right. So I'm going to kind of surround myself with these kind of instances so I can be more prepared to make good decisions when I'm there. Yes. When you end up. So let's take shark attacks. Okay. Shark okay. Attacks. Let's say I'm really scared of a shark attack. Right. Um, but you want to be a scuba diver. I want to be a scu- scuba diver. Okay. okay. So I might get kind of obsessive and we all do this where we look up shark attacks. Right. right? And we look at, oh my gosh, this person died and this person died and this person got bit and this person lost leg. Right. And we kind of get obsessed with this whole idea. And then we believe that sharks just run around eating people. Right. Right. But there's millions of people who get in the ocean every year and mm-hmm. there's maybe a hundred ish, 200 shark attacks a year. Right. So, so the better version of that would be to paying attention and looking up what sharks tend to attack scuba divers. Okay. What people do when they they believe they're about to be attacked or have been attacked by a, a specific shark, like a tiger shark, a very aggressive, right? Right. So, okay, so I'm going to know what a tiger shark looks like. I'm going to know what to do if it's going to attack me, but I'm not going to look up all the shark attacks that happen because really that's not good. so applicable to me. Okay. Does that so you, make sense? So you want to do applicable to you. Yeah. So maybe if I want to scuba dive in this location, you know, at this time, right. well, how many shark attacks are there? Because I, if I'm yeah. scuba diving in, you know, off the coast of you know, Florida, that might be different. I won't need to look at shark attacks in Australia. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. And moving forward and moving forward, we're action planning forward, action planning forward. Yeah. If I get attacked by a shark, that's, that's what's going on. Does that make sense? Makes sense. And then I want you to actually go with your gut and this can be a small decision. It could be like, where are we going to eat tonight? Right. My gut says I want to in and out burger. Right. Right. So go with your gut and then reevaluate at the end of it, if that was a good choice or not. And then what factors played into that? So then you can put that into your repertoire. Yeah. And be like, yeah, okay, I, I like hamburgers at In-N-Out. That's okay. great. Right? But then but then let's say I didn't like it and, and everybody was upset. Okay, so what played into that decision that took away from, like, why was my gut not so accurate about that decision? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, um, I was really hungry. We were in the area. Everybody was whining. Right. Like, and, and so it's like, okay, so maybe that wasn't such a good decision. How do I... How do I prep that later for a gut reaction? Yeah. But it's really evaluating how reliable it was and how you actually felt post as well. Okay. So we need to assess where we're at. We need to make sure we're exercising 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be vigorous. It's mindful physical activity. Mindful physical activity. We need to research or surround ourselves with input and information for where we want to be. Yep. And then when we have gut reactions and we act on them, we need to rem- uh, reminisce on that, kind of reevaluate yeah. Yeah. how that worked. So then we can actually, instead of just repeating the same mistakes over and over, we can put that into our subconscious so our gut feelings are more accurate in the future. Yeah, we're building on these gut feelings and we're building on their reliability. Okay, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm going to start going with my gut more. My gut is always saying that I'm hungry. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Perfect. And, and, but, I, but I'm going to do the steps. So I'm not just going to eat until I'm sick. I'm going to reevaluate every time. That's right. So, But no, seriously, go out there, evaluate this stuff, 
get hone your hone your gut feelings because acting on your gut always feels better as well. Yes. So so add some logic into there so your gut feelings are good. And as always, go out and build a better you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>